have to do something, Commissioner Goodell. What are you going to do about this? I will get it right and do whatever is necessary to accomplish that. What? We will continue to identify and add expertise to our team. Welcome to the Sports Law. This is where you will get the law on sports with hosts, the judge, and legal analyst, Andy Wood. Oh, that guy's pretty good. He gets it right each and every week here on the Sports Law. It is myself, the judge, alongside, as usual, legal analyst, Andy Wood, bringing you yet another edition of the Sports Law to the fine folks out there. This is episode number 15 taking place during the second week of August 2016 and oh boy do we have a show for the folks Mr. Andy Wood good to have you back yet again great on this to, fine program it's always great to be back here judge we're already talking over each other's words I'm just yeah. so excited to talk about the sports and law you know again every time I think it's a quiet week and then I get on Twitter and I read you know, the NFL cancels their Hall of Fame game that's going to be a future topic I can guarantee you've already seen tonight there's going to be a lawsuit there so Never a shortage of topics on the sports law, even in the midst of summer. Yeah, exactly. Never a shortage of, of topics, and that's exactly why we like doing the program, Andy. All the fun stuff that takes place, uh, not just on the rinks, on the courts, on the fields, but off them as well, and uh, some of the legal battles that go on behind the scenes in the sports world and with our athletes, and a ton to talk about, like you mentioned, Absolutely. on this program. Uh, we're going to bring you the hot topic here in segment number one in just a minute, as we'll be talking about Adrian Peterson, but really... Uh, the god of the NFL, it seems like, and that being the commissioner, Roger Goodell. Uh, we'll get into that. And uh, Another win for Roger. Exactly, and how he's uh, victorious yet again. That's our hot topic for this week. In our second segment, a fun legacy topic to get to, and I'm surprised we haven't mentioned this guy's name already on the uh, sports law, but really he's been fading over the last couple of years and not as interesting, but... A-Rod, Alex Rodriguez, announces his retirement. So uh, in our legacy Or retirement as a Yankee. Let's, yes, uh, okay. A retirement. Yeah. Just go away, A-Rod. And <laughs> either way, as part of our legacy topic, yeah. we're going to be talking about A-Rod going back to that infamous uh, PED scandal and uh, the biogenesis, all that fun stuff. We'll bring you that as part of our legacy topic, going over the controversial, to say the least, career of Alex Rodriguez's uh, uh, the plan or the sense is that he will be retiring. But again, you mentioned it's just as a Yankee, they really want him out of that system, but yet they're keeping him around to possibly be a coach or for some development purposes. Who knows? Apparently he's a great guy. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. But seriously, like, that's no, people, all, all people reports I've said that. he's a really good guy. But Yeah, yeah I don't know. I, I saw some of the Yankee teammates too mentioning about uh, once a cheater, always a cheater. So yeah. We'll talk. We'll get more we'll, into we'll, this. We'll get into that definitely as part of our legacy topic and a fine sports law review as our final segment uh, will come your way in uh, segment number three. We have some news about the NHL Alumni Association and their executive director, Mark Napier, as he's uh, calling it a career with them. Some controversy around that, though, and why he's calling it a career. Our other stories to get to as part of the Sports Law Review, Andy's uh, one of those topics we continue to say. Andy has pinned up on his bulletin board, but we will talk daily fantasy sports gaming, some regulations in New York to get to, and we'll talk about that and... 
Your over-under on the uh, Rio games and how many stories will make it into the Sports Law Review is set around five or six, and we have our first story to uh, bring the folks on the Sports Law Review, some controversy in Rio. You can really go down any avenue and find some, but uh, a, a fine story we will bring in the Sports Law Review. But let's get it started here as our hot topic on episode number 15, taking place during the second week of August 2016, here on the Sports Law, where you get the law on sports, we are talking about the NFL winning the case against Adrian Peterson in uh, the appeals court. And again, we mentioned Roger Goodell being that uh, god of the NFL. He continues to uh, cement his power when it comes to uh, what he means to the NFL, but also what he means when it comes to uh, the NFL Players Association and, and the battles outside uh, the stadiums off the field, and Roger Goodell gets another win. Uh, if you just want to set this story up, Andy, and, and go through some of the details, because it can get confusing at times with some of the appeals that were taking place, but a lot of fine details I know you have here on the entire story from the start of the Adrian P Peterson scandal to the suspension to the appeals process and all the money involved as well. Uh, let's just start at the very start when it comes to uh, Adrian Peterson and what he's all wrapped up in with the NFL. Absolutely, Judge. This is a story that's been sort of slowly crawling through the courts as we wait, awaited a decision. This decision from the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Eighth Circuit. So this is the same level as the court which ruled on Deflate Gate, uh, just in another area of the country. So this is the Eighth Circuit. Uh, they actually ruled in favor in the national of the National Football League in litigation involving Roger Goodell's decision to indefinitely suspend Minnesota Vikings running back. Adrian Peterson in 2014. The court found that Goodell and the NFL lawfully suspended Peterson, meaning that meaning the All-Pro back will now owe the Vikings the value of three game checks, which amounts to roughly $3 million. So I hope he's got a big bank account to be able to cut those checks to the Vikings. However, the good news is for Vikings fans and for fantasy football owners such as myself, uh, Peterson will not face any additional suspension, which, res would, which would have resulted in missed games. Uh, so this is another significant ruling that, again, comes down to Goodell's wide-ranging, uh, very discretionary powers he was provided in the CBA, as well as the ability of uh, Roger Goodell to act as the arbitrator in his own cases. However, in this case, he did make a right decision and uh, appointed actually a former NFL executive uh, to act as the arbitrator. But let's just set up the uh, facts here, Judge. So I think we'll, the folks will probably remember this case. It dates back to Peterson's September 2014 uh, indictment by the Montgomery County, Texas, uh, a grand jury there. He was indicted for reckless or negligent injury of a child. So the allegations were essentially that Peterson had beat his four-year-old son with a tree branch, and we'd later know from Peterson himself and sort of from the culture that this yeah, is known. Switch, right? It's called a switch. So, yeah, his kid apparently was in an argument over a video game with another one <laughs> of his sons. Uh, Peterson has multiple children with uh, multiple women, but that's not the topic of the day. i got to keep focused here. Yeah. And then, uh, unfortunately, photographs of the child of the, and the incident were posted online. Anyone that saw the bruising and that uh, it was pretty disturbing on a personal level. I did not like to see that. However, he did reach a plea deal with prosecutors 
in November 2014, uh, resulting in probation and community service. So let's set up the uh, situation here. So the NFL season starts in September. Uh, the indictment comes down. Uh, Roger Goodell places Peterson on what's called the commissioner's exempt, exempt list. If you've heard this before, this is the same list, I believe, that Ray Rice was placed on and multiple players uh, basically saying, we'll pay you through uh, until we figure out what's going on. Uh Except what happened was once the plea deal was done, then Goodell struck. He suspended Peterson until at least April 15, 2015, with a, without pay, a decision in which Peterson appealed. Uh, Goodell, which I think is a smart decision, he delegated his collectively bargained right to act as the arbitrator to a former NFL executive, a man named Harold Henderson, who actually sustained the punishment, not surprisingly, similar to Deflategate. So the NFLPA and Peterson, they basically appealed the basis of the timing. They argued that since Peterson's offense took place in May 2014, remember the indictment didn't come until September 2014, but the incident actually occurred in May. Uh, at the time in May 2014, it was one or two game suspensions were typically the punishment for domestic violence cases. As you recall, Judge Ray Rice uh, famously suspended for only two games prior to the uh, video footage coming out. So they actually took this to court, and Peterson and the NFLPA actually successfully convinced U.S. District Judge David Doty that the NFL could not retroactively apply its new policy to Peterson's case. However, like the flake gate, like Tom Brady, uh, Peterson ran into the U.S. Court of Appeals and judges Stephen Colton, James Locken, and Diane, Diana Murphy disagreed with, with Justice Doty, and they overruled him. Uh, like the Deflategate appeal, Justice Colton emphasized that where federal, federal courts possess very little authority for vacating arbitration awards, there only be there only needs to be a plausible application of the applicable policy. In this case, it was NFL Article 46, which grants Goodell wide discretion over personal conduct of NFL players. So this ruling, combined with the Deflategate, uh, makes it very unlikely that these matters are going to be heard before the Supreme Court. Uh, two different court of appeals for different circuits with the same decision, uh, at least until 2020, Roger Goodell's reign as Supreme Empire at the NFL and over all things player discipline is secure. Judge, your thoughts? Well, my thoughts are it's uh, pretty confusing what you went through there, Andy. A lot of uh, you know appeals here, there, a bunch of judges involved as well. Always great to see uh, judges getting work, though, when it comes to the NFL oh, and yeah. some of these appeals. They're getting paid some good money. But at the end of the day, it starts and really finishes with sort of two things. Article 46 of the Collective Bargaining Agreement, as you mentioned there at the end, and really... Uh, when it comes to Roger Goodell and his powers, it, this is one in favor of his power. As this time, it was Adrian Peterson in this case. We've talked about the Flategate and Tom Brady in the past, but the Eighth U.S. Secret, uh, Circuit Court of Appeals held that Goodell was properly acting within his powers, and yet again, properly acting within his powers. So he's got this power now, and I think that's really the big story out of this. Uh, and courts don't like to. Uh, we've talked about this extensively, but just to be clear. This is a there's a collective bargaining agreement between the players and the owners. They gave Goodell this wide expert, wide sort of power. Courts don't even like to question whether that's pro 
that that power is properly wielded, whether mm-hmm. there's proper process, which remember in Deflategate, that was the whole attack. He didn't receive notice. And they said, well, that's not it's not for us to say. You you gave him the wide power. We're not going to say whether he did or did not, like, did or did not abuse it. We're not going to look at the substance of his d- decision. This is the power. He made a decision. And uh, that's it. you got to live with it. And if the NFLPA wanted another way, well, they should have collectively bargained it different. It, yeah. It's an interesting situation for the NFLPA, especially in the midst of this uh, CBA, again, running till 2020. No, exactly. And that's what we see with CBAs, too. We see thing, different things negotiated and something like this, like Article 46 negotiated. And then years down the road, you realize, uh-oh, uh, we didn't uh, really win on that negotiation, especially what it means for the NFLPA and, and the NFL players now when this, this another one comes down like this. I know you're going to get into... Uh, some of the nuances of the story here when it comes to the NFLPA and also some other leagues like the NHL who have similar cases sort of, uh, you know, using this as an example to try and win cases. But we'll get into that in just a second because this does mean a lot for the NFLPA. The ruling is another hit to them and it's uh, back-to-back appealing court losses uh, and it could deter the NFLPA from pursuing challenges against Goodell's authority in the future, which is pretty sad because you want to challenge these things. That's the whole point of the appeal process so that you can challenge, you know, what came down against you. And now it's almost uh, deterring the players and the NFLPA to even go down this route. And that's not a good thing. And that definitely will be part of the CBA going, well, the next collective bargaining agreement, no doubt. But let me just, I'll I'll just sort of disagree with you there, Judge. The the idea of a CBA and why they put in the arbitration clauses is for the very reason that they don't use the courts. So, which is why I think the courts were so strong, especially at the at the appeal level, to really throw the players down and say, "Listen, we don't want to hear this. This is not the, the proper avenue for resolving your disputes. Is not in a courtroom. The proper avenue is in arbitration. And unless there has been some egregious issue, as long as the arbitrator is acting within their authority, when the authority here is very broad, uh, that's the that's the that's the route you should be using. So they don't like to see." organizations like the NFLPA usurp the collective bargaining process. And I'll make a second point here, Judge, and this is a great point, you know, that I hadn't really turned my mind to, so I can't remember who to give credit to. But, you know, this player, they're, they're relative to the amount of players in the NFL, you know, there's been very few suspensions like this. And, I mean, the cases we know, of course, the Flategate, Ray Rice, and now this Adrian Peterson one. And another thing I think that hurt the Adrian Peterson one is the egregious circumstances of this case. I don't think the fact, you know, they're not supposed to look at the facts of the case, but I mean, when a man takes a tree branch to a child, I I don't think that's favorable. Mm -hmm. And again, the court wouldn't have cared about that. They're more looking at process, but uh, I don't think anyone's too upset that Adrian Peterson missed an entire season. No, no, not at all. And that's not the route. Not that that's the point. uh, I'm not going down that route as well when it comes to, oh no, Roger Goodell got more authority and uh, that means bad things for guys like Adrian Peterson. I'm all for uh, guys like that, uh, you know, paying with some suspensions and some fines. It's just I'm more against the fact that, uh, you know, the and again, it was negotiated in the CBA, and the only way to fix it is to renegotiate the CBA, which ends in 2020, or you're not going to renegotiate that before then. There's no expectation of that, especially when, uh, you know, the, the powers that certain people have, they're not going to just, you know, lose those powers because of a new negotiation. So we'll have to wait until 2020 for Goodell to lose some of this power because, again, it was part of that 
that Article 46, and it's part of his negotiation powers and the decision to give the NFLPA little room to raise a viable argument undermining the, that authority of mm-hmm. Roger Goodell is the big part of that Article 46, and it was pretty smart when I guess he negotiated it then, and I'm sure the owners are happy, uh, which takes what you know, that he has that power, but I, I know the players and the NFLPA can't be happy with that. And, and again, it's not so much uh, associated, uh, not, not being happy because Adrian Peterson is suffering here or Ray Rice suffered under these mm-hmm. powers of Roger Goodell. But just overall, yeah. you know, if a guy does have an actual case, yeah, it's going to be tough to uh, pull it off. But let's get to some of the nuances of the story as we sort of wrap things up and understand that Roger Goodell is the be-all, end-all when it comes to the uh, NFL and his powers. And now people are using him as an example in some other leagues. Yeah, absolutely. So this could have an effect on a significant case going on. As we discussed, I think, on a couple episodes of the Sports Law uh, the, the National Hockey League filed a federal lawsuit uh, seeking to vacate the decision of a neutral arbitrator who was a guy named James Oldman, who reduced the suspension of Calgary Flames defenseman Dennis Weidman, who was initially suspended for 20 games by NHL, NHL Vice President Colin Campbell, which was then appealed to Gary Bettman and upheld. He, uh, James Oldman reduced the suspension to 20 games for Weidman's hit on linesman Don Henderson. So... The NHL basically took the same route that the NFLPA did in Deflategate and Peterson and said that uh, the arbitrator, Mr. Oldman, acted outside of his authority and that decision should be vacated and the 20-game suspension of Gary Bettman should be reinstated. Well, the NHLPA recently brought a motion to dismiss the action by the league, citing the Deflategate decision, our favorite case of all time. I've already mentioned it 10 times for those playing the sports law drinking game at home. Uh, you know, there's the, the NHLPA's argument is that federal courts must be highly deferential on arbitrators' rulings and saying that this arbitration ruling should stand. In my opinion, Judge, the Peterson ruling only bolsters the power of, uh, of Roger Goodell and actually helps the NHLPA, of all people, uh, in this case. It, you know, I think it significantly reduces the NHL's odds of successfully having the decision in the Weidman case vacated. I think in the end of the day as well, it highlights how strategically and practically significant the NF- NHLPA's ability to appeal the Commissioner Bettman's decisions to a ne- neutral arbitrator is and how badly the NFLPA dropped the ball in its last CBA negotiations. I mean, it should be really no surprise to those in the sports law community. Uh, Donald Fear, one of the best in the business, led the N- MLBPA through certainly turbulent times and very successful times as a union and now doing great work with the NHLPA because I think having that third-party neutral arbitrator clause in there I think really saved, uh, it's really going to you know, save a lot of money for Weidman and at least provide procedural protection for NHL players to know that they have a decision uh, that they can appeal uh, past Gary Batman. And uh, unfortunately, in the end of this case, our friend uh, James Oldman, no longer an arbitrator for the NHL and the NHLPA. He was dismissed <laughs> after his Weidman decision. Nobody should be surprised there. That usually yeah. happens when uh, to these arbitrators when these decisions come down. But uh, nonetheless, thumbs up to the NHLPA. Yeah. I don't think the NHL is going to do too well in this lawsuit. But, hey, I could be wrong. Yeah, they're CBA a little bit different than the NFL, but interesting to see with the NFL and what's been taking place with Roger Goodell and the powers and the appeal courts that uh, some other leagues are using that as an example. A lot of info thrown at the folks there when it comes to uh, the NHL and the nuances of the story and uh, sort of uh, tackling uh, uh, you know, the appeal process with uh, Dennis Weidman and going after things through the court, just like we were talking in the NFL mm-hmm. 
and how they're going in the courtroom. And really, they're not at the end of the day, these CBAs are created to not spend time in the courtroom. And I know I was, uh, you know, against Roger Goodell and some of those powers, and I still am. I don't think that the guy running the league should have all this power over the players at times. I think it should be more of a committee thing. But I guess chalk one up in his category. And uh, when it comes to NFL players, fewer are getting in trouble, as uh, the Washington Post has reported that, uh, you know, there has been a 40% drop in the number of NFL players arrested in the first six months of this past year, as compared to the same period a year ago. That means the NFLPA might not make it a priority to negotiate a change with Goodell now. And uh, this is from ESPN, because... It seems like maybe Article 46 could be working because of his powers and no one wants to get in trouble anymore because they can't do anything about that trouble. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think there may be a point there. I mean, I don't want to give Roger Goodell that much credit. No, I, mean, I don't either, but uh, just that point at the end where it is I think he, he would sure like to pat himself oh, on the back he would and say, for that one. you know, I'm the sheriff. I know what's, I, I know what's good for these guys, and that's why I'm doing it. I'm doing it, and, and I think I'm doing it, for the guys, I'm doing it yeah. because I care, right? And I know the lives, and yada, yada. I've heard Roger Goodell shtick on this. <laughs> yeah, I'm not buying it. It's uh, He made some bad decisions, bad procedurally in his... Uh, the broad authority given by the CBA certainly saved his butt because uh, that's going to be around for a long time. Yeah, 2020. So we'll see what happens when it comes to that collective bargaining agreement between the NFL and NFL Players Association. Again, the hot topic was the Adrian Peterson and the fact that the NFL yet won another appeal case. But overall, I think we really uh, went into some of the uh, CBA advantages and negotiations and how you can pull different things off and have those advantages for years to come until the yeah. next CBA negotiation, right? That's why you got those CBA negotiations are very important. Very. I mean, we're big hockey fans. We saw that in the NHL. I mean, how tense they got, but yeah. that's because they negotiated on every, line by line in every single issue. And certainly, small you see small things in the CBA which can turn out to be big advantages yeah. for certain parties. All those issues, those certain issues, the hills they will the hills die on, die right? On, yeah. Classic quote. Our from buddy Bill Daly, NHL Deputy Commissioner Friend Bill of the Daly. Show. <laughs> Great way to uh, wrap up that segment, as that was our hot topic. Here on episode number 15 of the Sports Law, it's the Law and Sports. It's with myself, the judge, and legal analyst, Andy Wood. Two more segments to go. We're going to have your legacy topic with some Alex Rodriguez talk and his controversial career. Go over that a little bit here with Andy. And in our final segment, it's the Sports Law Review that we like to bring you each and every week. Some of the uh, other headlines out there when it comes to the legal battles not taking place uh, on the field, on the pitch with our athletes so outside of uh, all that we will get to all that more here on episode number 15 of the sports law again it is the law on sports you've got questions we have answers well sort of tweet us at the sports law or send us an email at the sports law at gmail.com Hearts and Bows Boutique, where you can get the bow for those closest to your heart. From beautiful bows, headbands, and bow ties, the answer to your accessory needs is Hearts and Bows Boutique. From the very young to the young at heart, there is nothing like your own personalized order for the ones you love. For more information and to place an order, contact Hearts and Bows Boutique at Hotmail.com. Again, Hearts and Bows Boutique at hotmail.com and the best part 10% of every order is donated to sick kids hospital 
Check them out on Instagram or order now with Hearts and Bows Boutique. Judge, I got a question for you. You like cottages? Love them. You like Muskoka? Oh, you can't beat it. You know, one day you'd like to retire to Muskoka. Maybe have a custom cottage right on the lake. Sit back thing. on a Muskoka chair. Yeah. Maybe a farm somewhere. Well, you want you want it custom built. And oh, you want yeah. only the best. That's why this week the Law Review is brought to you by Grow Construction. These guys are Muskoka's newest premium custom home building company. What we want you to do here at the Sports Law is give Trevor Grow a call at 705-787-8862 or you can hit him up on email at tgrow, that's T-G-R-O-H at hotmail.ca today and Grow Construction will build you your dream cottage or home today. They also build garages. These guys do great work up in Muskoka based out of Huntsville. I tell you what, uh, they get the Sports Law seal of approval because they're doing amazing work here. We're, we're happy to have them on board as a sponsor here on the Sports Law. It was a hard day today. You know, from this moment on, I want to focus on baseball and, uh, you know, play every game like uh, as, as do or die. After days of speculation, the three-time MVP was finally suspended by the league late Monday, benched through the end of the 2014 season, a potentially career-ending punishment, which came after allegations he used performance-enhancing drugs and then lied to baseball during the investigation. The last seven months has been... Uh, a nightmare. Twelve other players who accepted drug-related suspensions now forced to sit out 50 games apiece. But Rodriguez reportedly refused a deal and now says he will appeal the suspension, although he wouldn't explain why. If you didn't use PEDs in this recent, why don't you just say it? There'll be an opportunity to do all of that. Uh, I don't think that time is right now. Welcome back. To the sports law with the judge and legal analyst Andy Wood. Show the way across a narrow path, carrying all this weight. No, there's no turning back. No turning back indeed here on episode number 15 of the sports law. It's the law and sports with myself, the judge and legal analyst Andy Wood. Fine hot topic there in segment number one. Pretty much the NFL versus the NFLPA to a degree, but bringing up the Adrian Peterson appeal and how that story is now done with. Again, it was just a couple episodes ago where we were talking to Flakegate and Roger Goodell winning on that one and Tom Brady sort of just giving up on things. But uh, again, uh, a fine hot topic. Uh, we always love the NFL for some of the uh, news that comes out of there. It feels like each the and best. every week. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, we continue here, though, on the sports law. We have our sports law review coming up after this segment. But in our second segment, each and every week here, we like to bring our legacy topic to the folks, going over uh, some a topic that has some history to it. And uh, this week, uh, quite the topic. And I'm surprised, again, that we haven't brought this man's name up uh, too much. Again, we went into some PED talk. Uh, around the MLB, but I don't think that we were necessarily pointing the finger at uh, A-Rod when it comes to that story. We were looking at McGuire, Sosa, and some of the history with Jose Canseco as well. But here on our legacy topic, we are talking about Alex Rodriguez, 
with him announcing his retirement from the New York Yankees. He'll play his uh, final game uh, in the second week of August and uh, wrap things up with the Yankees. They just want him to go away, but we're going to go over some of his career choices, Andy. Really the main one, the big one, when he was pretty much suspended for an entire season by the MLB. And so we'll go over that story, but also get into some uh, talk about the controversial career that uh, has been for Alex Rodriguez, uh, an all-star, uh, a slugger, uh, I think it's 14-time all-star as well, uh, has had quite the career, uh, a hero to some kids and a villain to others. So uh, let's just start, uh, I guess, uh, with uh, some of the, contra- you want to start with the controversy or some of the A-Rod just uh, news that came out around the retirement? Let's start with the news here, Judge. Certainly A-Rod described as maybe one of the greatest and most controversial players in Major League Baseball history. He, along with the team, announced that he would play his final game as a New York Yankee in the middle of August. Certainly an odd timing to end a season yeah. uh, one month before the end. But nonetheless, uh, if there's anything unusual in baseball, it is Alex Rodriguez and his uh, tenure with the New York Yankees. He's played there for almost 13 years, and it comes to an end. You know, He's been seldom used this season. The team moves forward with a full rebuild. Uh, not having the greatest season of his career in 216 at-bats. He has nine home runs. He's batting just 204. Uh, manager Joe Girardi not wanting to put him in after trading, you know, Miller, Chapman. Yankees ready to rebuild, and that rebuild is going to be without Alex Rodriguez on the field, certainly. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, A-Rod, thanks for uh, coming, and uh, we've had enough with you, so go away now, and that's sort of why uh, he ends up going the route of retirement here, or at least retirement from the New York Yankees. It'll be interesting to see what does take place. Again, you mentioned uh, the position that he will have with the team going forward. Also another interesting factor to the retirement and him going away from the New York Yankees because uh, of his performance and they don't want it anymore is that he is owed $21 million uh, this season and was due to make $21 million in 2017, uh, the final season of a $275 million 10-year deal with the Yankees. It is believed that the Yankees are contractually obligated to pay Rodriguez's full salary for both 2016 and 2017, so paying, paying quite the price tag to make this guy go away. So uh, definitely in full rebuild mode when you're uh, spending dollars like that to get oh, rid yeah. of uh, some of your veterans that you don't want around some of these young kids. But a main reason why we're bringing this up here in our legacy topic, Andy, is because of some of the controversy around A-Rod, and uh, the list goes on, but really we, we have a focus point as A-Rod is noted for being hit with and serving one of the longest suspensions for performance-enhancing drugs in baseball history. Yeah, to flashback, A-Rod back in 2013 was suspended for 211 games by Major League Baseball, which represented the end of the 2013 season, which was ongoing then, and the entire 2014 season. Well, MLB arbitrator Frederick Horowitz, he actually reduced the suspension to the entire 2014 season. Still, I mean, a significant suspension for a significant player. Uh, again, one of one of the highlights of Major League Baseball, one of the great players. And, you know, this trouble he got himself into, you know, we'd already, we'd already heard the PED whispers around A-Rod. It stemmed from a Miami New Times uh, story that his name was on the records of a now-shut-down anti-agent clinic run by an Anthony Bosch known as Biogenesis. You know, through a source, it was, it was stated that this was, this was a source of PEDs for MLB players such as Rodriguez and Milwaukee Brewers uh, star Ryan Braun as well as others. 
as well as others. So he was involved in this scandal. Uh, they kind of pinned him dead to rights that he was involved in this biogenesis clinic, linked that it was to PEDs, and suspended it for 211 games, which again was reduced to the entire 2014 season. So from a legal perspective, I just wanted to point out, Judge, one of the most interesting aspects of the suspension was the work of then-Chief Operating Officer and now-Commissioner Rob Manfred. So after the league had incurred difficulty securing cooperation of any of the players, including A-Rod, you know, who in this case, invoked his Fifth Amendment right against self-incrimination when questioned by the league, the MLB actually took a different approach. They commenced legal action against Bosch and Biogenesis, essentially which would set up a process called discovery in which there would have to be documents uh, put forward, which undoubtedly would show that uh, Alex Rodriguez's name was on there. Um, So they took that approach and basically got him dead to rights on the idea that, yeah, we can't show a positive drug test, but we have enough evidence to show you were involved with uh, PEDs. And he appealed it and uh, after kind of thinking twice, eventually took his medicine, dropped his appeal. So unlike the Peterson and Deflategate and all that, he decided, I'm not, I'm not going to pursue it in the courts. I'm going to take my medicine. And uh, really great work by the MLB legal team to get him dead to rights and uh, serving a long suspension. I think a victory for those in the fight against PEDs, although with the oh, recent yeah, stories, definitely. it doesn't seem like people or athletes certainly are stopping anytime soon. No, they're just find, finding new and interesting yep. ways to try and take them. And uh, again, this was a new and interesting way uh, when it came to light and the anti-aging clinic in uh, South Florida and all the players associated with it. You're sort of scratching your head and you're going... Why are the M- a bunch of MLB players part of an anti-aging clinic? And uh, it's sort of uh, one leads to the other where something's involved here, something fishy, and the investigation definitely revealed that. And just it's it's just big because, and this story is huge, because, again, he's a 14-time All-Star, um, and with us talking about the end of his career, this is one of those things that will have a lasting legacy on the end of his career, his career overall, and will be discussed when you're talking about A-Rod. Again, he leaves the MLB with... Uh, you know, over 690 home runs and a batting average of uh, 295. Uh, he was a hero for many. Uh, people loved when he came to the Yankees and really looked forward to that, you know, the dream team that they put together with him on third bag with uh, Derek Jeter. And then this stuff sort of comes near the end of his career. He serves his time, sort of just gives up on the appeal process. But again, this will always be uh, part of his career and even some discussions I heard around him uh, retiring. You heard Steinbrenner talk about it a little bit and how they could even consider him for Monument Park or yeah. uh, some talk about him going into the Hall of Fame. But with us not seeing some of the other sluggers that were linked to PEDs going into the Hall of Fame, I don't see how A-Rod will make it there. Even though their numbers are screaming at you, ha- Hall of Fame, the fact that there's that asterisk anywhere in their career uh, sort of puts that damper on the career. And again, I, I think I even heard some of A-Rod's teammates uh, with him retiring mention how well, once a cheater, always a cheater, and that guy was a cheater, so I don't have time for Hall of Fame cheaters. There's no such thing to me. So quite the way uh, his career ends, again, sort of just go away. We've had enough of you. Your numbers aren't the same as they used to be. We we're rebuilding. And uh, a big reason why we brought it up here in our legacy topic, Andy, is because of that scandal that took place with him and will always be part of Alex Rodriguez's conversation uh, forever. Yeah, two things about that. I read uh, Jeff Blair, who works for Sportsnet 590, the fan, made a great point. Uh, Players, I think what bothered them was when them as a union really started to come down, they said, we want to fight all these guys on PEDs. We don't want other guys cheating and A-Rod just kept cheating. The second point that I love, I'll again mention it about this story, the MLB 
being able to suspend guys when there has been no positive drug test. I mean, that was just a phenomenal piece of work. I tweeted it out on my personal Twitter account uh, earlier today, A. Wood Sports Law, a story about Rob Manfred and how he really worked to create good precedents that said, we could, and, and with the help of the MLBPA, that they could suspend guys under circumstances that they did PEDs. They didn't need a scientific test which said you did PEDs. And he really you know, played the long game back from 2006 with Jason Grimsby of the uh, Arizona Diamondbacks with that list of all the players with the human growth hormone, really built all this precedent up. Uh, it accumulated nicely with this A-Rod suspension, and he was able to use it to say, I don't need a test. I can show, I have enough evidence to show that you were involved in PEDs somehow, and they got him dead to rights. He served a suspension, and I mean, I, th- I think he's really sort of redeemed himself by serving that suspension. A lot of guys, you know, Roger Clemens, uh, Barry Bonds will deny, deny, deny. I think A-Rod as a guy has done well by serving that suspension, coming back, and, you know, you hear a surprising amount of positive comments coming out of not only the Yankee clubhouse, but clubhouses around the league. And uh, an interesting turn at the end of the, end of the career for Alex Rodriguez. It looked like he was going to have a phenomenal end to his career last season, uh, but that certainly did not carry on to the end of last season and certainly did not carry on to this season, Judge. And uh, if this is the end for A-Rod, uh, what a story will be. And I think we'll be debating, have the Hall of Fame debate with this guy uh, not based on his numbers, but based on the PED suspension for years to come. And yeah. as we talked about in that previous episode, Cooperstown Baseball Hall of Fame, figure out how to get these guys in. I don't know, some sort of asterisks. It's the asterisks. Acknowledgement. Wing. The wing. They'll have a whole yeah. wing full of these I mean, guys. My, and then you can just put have Pete a, Rose, just have too. A, just have a sign-up. It says, yeah. you know, from 1998 to 2010, there was suspicion that there was large... Scale use of performance enhancing drugs in baseball. Yeah, you decide. It'll be. It's part of MLB history now, and uh, especially yep. with some of the players involved and certain records that were broke as well by those players. Uh, and not seeing him in the Hall of Fame is interesting. But again, it's. Uh, I mentioned Pete Rose there, but I feel like PED is a completely different story than uh, betting on your team to win. That's what he says, right? But, That's what he says, old Pete. Uh, and, and one of the uh, greatest players of I'm all time. To see, I'm hoping to see Pete Rose and A-Rod on the playoff panel again on Fox. <laughs> How about that? Two <laughs> final. <laughs> one thing you can't say about A-Rod, he is very good as a TV yeah. analyst. And uh, if he wants a future in that, I mean, I think you're going to see him on Sunday Night Baseball. Oh, definitely. And uh, imagine just uh, some of the names that could go into the Hall of Fame, though, if you chose all those guys at one time. A Pete Rose, Alex Rodriguez, Mark McGuire, Jose Canseco, Hall of Fame induction. That would yeah. uh, be interesting to say the least. But interesting to say the least, we have... One more segment to go here on the Sports Law. It's episode number 15, taking place during the second week of August. And we have the Sports Law Review coming up next. The Sports Law Podcast. It is the law on sports, and it's all over the social medias. You can like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash the sports law. Also, follow us on Twitter at the sports law and you can always get a hold of us by email at the sports law at gmail.com hey it's 2016 so stay connected stay tuned and always stay up to date when it comes to both the law and sports the sports law podcast we have your social medias covered this is the sports law with the judge and legal analyst andy wood 
that it is, as we have one more segment to go here on the Sports Law episode number 15, taking place during the second week of August 2016. Thanks to uh, Big Voiceman Pates there for all our intro liners. Thanks to this band, Stuck on Planet Earth. You can check them out on Twitter, Facebook, all those social medias. Again, Stuck on Planet Earth for all our great theme songs. they got a website as well, stuckonplanetearth.com. Thanks to Hearts and Bows Boutique. And we also have one other sponsor that we always like to uh, bring into the fold as they are our main sponsor of our Sports Law Review here in this segment, Andy. That's right, Judge. The Sports Law Review this week is brought to you by Grow Construction, Muskoka's newest premium home custom building company. Give Trevor Grow a call at 705-787-8862 or tgrow at hotmail.ca today. And GrowCon will build you the dream cottage or home you've always wanted. And let's get right into it with a topic that's in the news right now in the sports world, and that is the Olympic Games in Rio de Janeiro. They have been some great stories, certainly for both the Canadian and American teams here in North America, but they have also been marred by local issues. Yeah, we mentioned this too just the other week as one of our hot topics, Andy, that there would be some stories coming out of this, no doubt, and especially after the games are done, that uh, some uh, stories when it comes to the legal side of things will come out. We talked about the Russians and their scandal, but this is a different story, and you also said an over-under that we'd get around five stories Five to six stories coming out of this as part of our sports law review. So this is our very first one uh, when it comes to the uh, controversy around those Olympic Games. Yeah, well, this is sort of a, I guess we'll call it a domestic dispute uh, with within Brazil. So Brazil actually has a president that they elected. However, right now, that president happens to be facing impeachment and has been suspended. The Olympic Games were opened up by interim president Michael Tenmer, who declared the 2016 Rio Olympic Games open for business on August the 5th. Except instead of cheers that you'd expect, the crowd erupted in boos. Music, they played quick, They played music to mask out the sound. But however, they there has been political, it, you know, it's been described as a national political crisis. Uh, many are seeing the, 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 so we'll call it, soon-to-be-disposed president called the move to remove her from office a coup. Yeah. And she actually refused to attend the opening ceremonies because of the uh, controversy surrounding her removal as president. So both the, uh, you know, they don't want, the IOC and the Brazilian government say that political acts are not allowed inside the Olympic venues. However, they have been some uh, removal of people uh, from stadiums due to political protests and the various things sort of disrupting and chanting, making their voice felt on the, the political disregard yeah. there. Another big story that just come recently, there was a media bus. So this is a bus in Rio de Janeiro carrying members of the media. It was actually shot at down there. So the bus had just passed an unmanned tool booth at the Trans-Olympic Highway, going at a good clip. And then bullets, you know, they didn't completely penetrate, but they did break the glass. They blew out windows. They say the gun was probably a small caliber weapon, but certainly a scare to members of the media down in the... uh, Down in Rio covering the games, uh, certainly not what you're accustomed to, say, you know, covering a Toronto Maple Leaf game or covering a Chicago Blackhawks game, although I certainly wouldn't want to be outside the United Center at 11 o'clock at night, but that's a story for another day. Uh, certainly a scary scene for the media down there and stories we don't typically hear in uh, here in North America. Judge, would you agree? 
Uh, not necessarily. Uh, I think uh, random bullets in some <laughs> states, in some sorry, in some cities in the states, you, you hear. Yeah, maybe about we're that. just naive. Yeah, and uh, it, it can happen, but especially when it's going to be uh, reporters involved in that, you're going to hear about it a little bit more. So I guess we're at two for the over-under already when it comes to controversy around the uh, Olympic Games. I know we can uh, dig a little deeper and get maybe three or four already, but uh, we're going to save it for some of the big headlines. We've talked enough PEDs for the day, Judge. Oh, yeah, no, and we already brought that story up, so that doesn't count as part of the over-under. But it's just funny, and again, we talk about John Oliver and uh, one of the main reasons... Uh, uh, we were bringing up the uh, the Russian ban as well. He's great for some of our source material. Just hilarious. Uh, last week tonight, John Oliver on HBO, and he brings up the Olympic Games and how, uh, you know, there's all these controversies, there's all these stories, all these negative things, and then uh, once uh, we get to that opening ceremony, it's just time to party. And it's funny how different American and different uh, Canadian, different world uh, media outlets cover this thing. And, uh, you know, it's uh, just... It's like, oh, we forget about all the problems and it's time to go. But you mentioned it. Uh, there were some boos in the stadium uh, for the uh, for the Brazilian uh, uh, political party uh, that was in the stadium. On top of that, it's just interesting to see some of the countries come through and comments made on those countries from other networks, whether it be, you know, NBC commenting on uh, different countries coming through that they're that America could have controversy with. So mm-hmm. uh, either way, uh, the games are underway and uh, the stories will continue to come and we'll bring them as part of the Sports Law Review. There's uh, number one and number two, I guess, for your over under, Andy. Now going over to our second story, it comes out of the uh, hockey world as former Montreal Canadian Mark Napier who has been executive director of the NHL Alumni Association for over 12 years, uh, has advised the association that he will resign at the end of the year. And uh, Napier's resignation comes on the heels of a TSN slash CTV news report uh, that that had him in August 2014 uh, sending NHL executives, including Deputy Commissioner Bill Daly, a document which summarized a meeting of former players regarding a concussion lawsuit against the league. Now, Napier's email stated, FYI, don't think that they're getting much traction. We'll keep monitoring. So he ends up sending that email to the NHL to sort of inform them of what's coming their way uh, in the concussion lawsuit. And uh, it drew, uh, well, it made some uh, of those former players a little upset there, Andy, including former LA King forward Bernie Nichols, who accused Napier of screwing over the players and uh, making a lot of money out of it, and that he uh, also wants to do what's best for the NHL. Uh, that Talking about Napier. And, Why don't you tell us how you really feel, Bernie? Yeah, Bernie not <laughs> too happy with, uh, with Mark Napier. Now we hear that Mark Napier is stepping down from the uh, executive director role with the NHL Alumni Association, but he cites different reasons for him stepping down, like anyone would, but a lot are pointing the finger at uh, Napier being tied up in this email scandal, and it's quite the scandal. Him tipping off the NHL that uh, a lawsuit could be coming is a big deal. So, uh, sort of getting away from the controversy by stepping down, you would imagine. Yeah, and he also Napier said, you know, one of the reasons he stepped down was to spend more time with his family. He also said he he didn't like his family having to hear him be called being called a mole in the media. But uh, I don't want to sort of disparage Napier, but uh, when you're leaking information from a group of litigants to the group of litigants from the plaintiff to the defendant, yeah. uh, 
Um, Something's I'm up. not going to yeah. use the word mole, but uh, certainly it. Uh, it's not kosher. It helps to have a guy, and you know, I you know, my practice. I wish I had a guy in the other guy, it, someone in the other guy's room, telling me what they were talking about. So, yeah. not cool there by Mark Napier. And our final story of the day comes from the daily fantasy sports world. We haven't talked about oh, this in a while, Judge. We do love this one. But we're finally seeing some regulation in New York and a huge move for the fledging sector. New York Governor Andrew Cuomo signed a bill which legalized and regulates the daily fantasy sports contest in the state of New York just in time for da, 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 the National Football League season. New York is the seventh state to legalize or regulate uh, the games this year. The industry, of course, first faced trouble in the state last October when Attorney General Eric Schneiderman issued a cease and desist letter to the biggest companies in the industry, DraftKings and FanDuel. The parties would eventually reach a settlement in March. However, this law marks a significant step in a huge market for the industry. Again, I think the next, as I'll repeat again for the millionth time, the best solution for this all across the state would be some federal regulation. Uh, for the industry, not only for daily fantasy sports, but for normal sports gambling. There was a big loss. I'll mention here quickly. I'm going off script here, Judge, uh, but in the state of New Jersey, New Jersey State did lose their appeal in their attempt to legalize uh, sports gambling in that state, so that fight's going to continue there. Uh, We're going to continue to monitor all the daily fantasy sports topics. We're going to continue to monitor what's going on in New Jersey with their case and see if... uh, now, maybe if, you know, whether it's Trump or Clinton, uh, maybe they can get Congress to pass a bill uh, to regulate sports gambling because uh, certainly it's going to keep going on in underground. It's not going to stop. And uh, if I'm Uncle Sam, why not try and get your uh, fingers on some of those shekels being spent on uh, sports betting, especially as we head into the NFL season? Yeah, definitely uh, one of the hot topics as uh, part of our 2016 uh, sports law episodes is daily fantasy gaming and we'll continue bringing news about that some more news out of new york when it comes to that but that's going to do it for the sports law review also for the program as well but in that sports law review we heard that daily fantasy gaming regulation change in new york some news about the nhl alumni association and their executive director mark napier stepping down and some news out of rio ahead of that our great legacy topic included some talk about alex's Rodriguez with him hanging them up for the uh, New York Yankees and his controversial career and our hot topic the NFL versus the NFL uh, Players Association but uh, the appeal coming down on Adrian Peterson and that is going to do it for another edition of the Sports Law it was episode number 15 taking place during the second week of August always a pleasure to bring you the episodes thanks for tuning in thanks for listening and again you can catch our program on iTunes SoundCloud and Stitcher. Follow us on Twitter at The Sports Law. We have a Facebook, The Sports Law, and our email is thesportslaw at gmail.com. Thanks for stopping by, and thanks to you, legal analyst Andy Wood. Always a pleasure catching up with you and going over some of these hot topics. Absolutely, Judge. Have a good week judging, and I'm sure there's going to be plenty to talk about as we head into the second week of the Rio Olympic Games. Well, the NFL's keeping me busy with uh, some of the judging these days, Andy, back and <laughs> forth through all these appeal courts. But There's only one judge, and that's Roger Goodell. <laughs> that's uh, pretty much what we figured out here on episode 15 of the Sports Law. Again, it is the law on sports. Tune in each and every week. Uh, we bring you our fine episodes. It's the Sports Law with the judge and legal analyst, Andy Wood. <laughs>